Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to be looking back, looking back on two ways at some old tech that was used in houses 100 years ago that's still valid. We've also got a look back at an interview that's been requested. Got some great news and a Q&A. So with no further ado, let's go to the news. Today's news is brought to you by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce Golf Tournament. Presented by Parkway Village in Sherwood. Spots are still available for the September 10th event at Langdon Farms Golf Club. Membership in the chamber is not required to play. See bit.ly slash chambergolf2021 for more information. So what is in the news? MasterCard plans to remove magnetic strips. This is coming in uh, the next couple Hmm. of years and is something that is interesting when you think about it because it really is a change in technology. We've been going to chip cards for a while now. Most of our credit cards have that already. If they don't, they will. So the idea of magnetic strips is something that is going to go away. I have a a question. Isn't that going to hurt some of those stores that are still using older tech? I think in the next three years, that technology will be completely gone. And the main reason is, is because it's not secure. So while there are a few places that haven't upgraded yet, it's becoming the standard. I know even on my card reader that I use once in a while and it works with my phone and is meant for a very small business, it reads chip cards now. Okay, because I've 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 run across situations where the chip reader isn't is malfunctioning, yeah. and the the checker will just simply gra- grab the card and run it through the magnetic strip thing. Yep, that's definitely still done, and it's out there, but it is something that's disappearing. Gas stations are even finally getting switched over. That's a place where you'll still find a lot of magnetic readers. Mm-hmm. So the tech does still exist, but. The problem is it is really insecure. They know how to read the magnetic card, clone your credit card, all that kind of stuff. Skimmers are a problem because of this, and all of those things are something that will go away, at least in that respect, once the tech is retired. iPhone 13 to support low-Earth orbit satellite communications. Yeah, interesting idea from Apple here, and they're talking about a lot of the things that are going to come out. This is actually a big new feature that we haven't seen for a while. There are satellite phones, and that's where I get the for a while. But having it actually in your cell phone is a little bit different. And the way that this would work is at a 10,000-foot view, uh, literally here, you would end up with a situation where your phone could be able to send texts, make calls, and that kind of a thing without a cell phone signal because it's using satellite to work. Hmm. Now, some of the things we don't know is if this is going to be restricted. It usually was at least expensive to get a phone like this. So working around that, it may not work the same way as a cell signal. We'll have to see what Apple actually comes up with here. But as far as an emergency communication device, this could be a real key feature from Apple that nobody else really has right now, that if your cell service goes down, like what just happened with the hurricane and everything, Uh you would still be able to communicate. Oh, good. Netflix to drop Lucifer season six this Friday. Yes, it's and coming. <laughs> the cat is d- really excited about that. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> everybody is. Well, maybe not everybody, but most people are. So uh, the description of this is Lucifer season six trailer teases new major villain, sets up really? the final season of Netflix series. Now, of course, they've been going to have their final season for the last four years. So we'll see if that holds true. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. There's been some talk of a movie. Maybe that'll happen, maybe it won't, but we'll see here. 
But um, Lucifer's got a whole bunch of problems, and uh, anyone that watched the last season kind of saw where that ended. Uh, he ended up with a job that um, could be quite interesting. So we'll have to see where this plays out. Now, the first part of this is going to drop Friday, as you said, and it'll be available up there to binge watch or however we want to do it. And we'll, of course, review it as soon as that happens. But this has been a series that I've liked, and um, I yeah. think uh, it's, you know, just going to get better. It's been fun. Yep. Will cleaning space work? Good question. We've talked about this in the past, uh, the whole idea of space junk. In fact, they found a hole in the arm of the space station that they think was caused by something they couldn't detect. Oh, man. And what happens is small pieces, or big pieces, but small pieces of satellites and other things that are no longer used break off, but they're in orbit, they're traveling at huge speeds. And they crash into other things. And we've talked about this. Actually, we talked about this with NASA a couple of years ago. It's a real concern. We've also seen it in sci-fi movies and that type of a thing. So what this is, is a device that is being prototyped to clean space, essentially. And the production version of it would be able to actually scoop up a number of derelict satellites and other things. So if this ends up working... It could be a really good idea. And it is something, you know, again, that's necessary. I know they have to dodge all this stuff going up to the space station and everything. And it's becoming a bigger problem. And it could become a really big problem. Yeah. Floating. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all that space debris. It's like bullets flying through the air. Yeah. Some of the pictures you can see of that online, too. It's just to, to get an idea of that is really, um, I can see where they want to get this fixed if they can. Floating wind turbines could open up vast ocean tracks for renewable power. So we've talked about renewable power on, on the show before, and mm -hmm. going along, it's always been something that I think it's a great idea. I don't think we're quite as far along as they would like us to think with it at this point. And getting it better, getting it reliable, for one thing, would make a huge difference. So having more generation capability in a way that works is a good idea. So putting these towers out in the deep ocean where there's a lot more wind, there's a lot less people that have to look at them, that kind of a thing. And in a way that doesn't seem to mess with the fish and wildlife and all that that's in that area, could be a really good idea. Did so, the article show a picture? Yeah, the article showed a picture. In fact, we can go ahead and get one posted with our social media and uh, kind of give an idea of what they're talking about here. And the picture is actually of a prototype they're doing in the North Sea. So what they're talking about here would be something that would be further out in the ocean than even that. But it is definitely an interesting idea. And, you know, we've talked a lot in the past on the show about things like electric cars. And right now we're having the issue with the batteries and all that kind of a thing. But we do want to lower emissions. But we need a way to do that that doesn't just shift it from one thing to another. We're not burning gas. We're using electricity. But if the electricity is still generated with things that generate emissions and we don't have a reliable alternative energy source to replace it, all we're doing is shifting the problem, really, more than solving it. So some of these things, and just like anything else with new tech, it is got to be something that's researched, explored, and I think getting more of this that works and works in a way where it doesn't cause other problems with the ecosystem is a good idea. So it'll be interesting to see how this, how this turns out. A bad solar storm could cause an internet apocalypse. So I remember this back in the day. My dad was a ham radio <laughs> operator, and it was quite a lot of fun. I did have and still have a, an interest in that kind of a thing. And this was before the internet. And the idea was is that you could communicate with people all over the planet, depending on weather conditions and that type of thing. 
and solar storms played into this. It would block or damage the signal. And sometimes when they got real bad, you couldn't get through at all. So now move us up to 2021 in the modern era. There's still a lot of concerns about this. A really good big solar flare could cause a lot of problems, including blackouts and other things. It could knock out the internet. Mm. And there's a lot of things that these uh, the, these kind of things would really affect our modern lives, a lot more so than 30 years ago. So there's a lot of concern about that. It's watched for. We've had some issues. But the biggest thing is if we ever had a situation where something, whether it be human-based or sun-based or whatever, knocked out the satellites, that could really, really be difficult for us. Yeah, I can. I could see a lot of, uh, especially the younger generation that really relies on having that connectivity for themselves to function. Well, you know they, what I mean? Think about your basic things where you operate now in today's world. It's a lot easier. Oh yeah, banking, banking and all of that. Shopping, yeah. you're, you're shopping, but I even just. I was stick. just thinking on the emotional level. Oh, the emotion level is a big deal. I mean, all of this stuff plays into it. And when you really think about that, it actually takes it another step. All of our logistic chains are online now. So the stuff in your grocery store, there's an electronic component in there for the ordering process, the fulfillment process. All of these different type of things rely on online access. And when we had the attack that knocked out the center in Nashville back last Christmas, we saw where this really affected things. Taking out that one relay point turned off a lot of these services. And with that went down communications. Most of our phones work at some point using an online system now. Cell phones and everything else. Landline phones are a thing of the past. All of that stuff could be affected. The $1,800 Galaxy Z Fold 3 doesn't come with a charger. Yeah, this this news headline is more a gripe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, if I'm paying eighteen hundred bucks for a phone, I want a little. I mean, I I guess if I don't need the little power brick thingy, that's one thing. But if I connect my phone and it says this is going to be a slow charge because you're not using the original charger, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have the original <laughs> charger to use, and you know, so um, yeah, exactly. You know, so it, no, it's it's a definitely, a, uh, I think, a valid gripe, especially at an eighteen hundred dollar price point. Mm-hmm. Now, the phone itself seems to be pretty cool, but you know, Samsung, you could throw in a charger. I mean, in all honesty, especially since, like you say, it is definitely specific to the phone. This is user friendly two Got a great show coming up for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a special extended Q&A for you this week. Got a lot of questions coming in, and it's nice to be able to spend a little more time answering them every so often, and we're going to get to do that. How you send your questions is a good question. Our phone number is 503-766-6264. Give us a call there 24-7. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, social media, or go to our website, userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? What is HDR? Well, it's three letters. Well, I understand yeah. that, but the acronym means something. Yeah, right? and actually, in the case of this question, it refers to televisions. The acronym mm. means high dynamic range, and Ew. it's a feature that you can get on some, in fact, now I would say most, televisions, newer ones that you buy. 
So what this actually is, is a method of being able to support higher quality content. Hmm. So I would say that in answer to the question that also came up with this, is this something you need to get? It is definitely something I would consider, but there's a few gotchas with it. You have to have a television that supports the content and the content itself has to support HDR in order for it to work properly. So if it's non-HDR content, it'll look just like it does on everything else. But one of the big things with this is this is kind of a you-get-what-you-pay-for scenario. So a budget HDR TV and an expensive HDR TV can look very different. In fact, Hmm. we've seen situations where on the cheaper TVs, HDR can actually look worse with it on. Yeah. So that's one thing to take into consideration. There's a number of other things that go in here. There's different formats and things for it. Basically, you have brighter highlights, more contrast, deeper colors, all that kind of stuff. So it's a cool feature and something that I would get, but definitely take a look at it and make sure you're getting the right thing. Is it true Dell is illegal in Oregon? Odd question, but there is actually some reality to this, uh, which is a little bit scary, but it's true. Not specifically Dell, but the Alienware desktop line. Now, we've talked about this earlier in the season when this first happened, but we've gotten a lot of questions about it. So I figured it'd be something to just kind of touch back on. It's certain configurations, and what, and it's not just Oregon. There's several states that have done this. And what it is, is the power consumption of the Alienware computer exceeds an arbitrary power consumption restriction that the state has in their law now. So, okay. I have a question. Hmm. What if you specifically need um, that, that setup in order to make something work. Uh, Dell wouldn't be able to ship it to you right now if you're in a state that restricts this. And in fact, if you go to their website and try to order it, you would get that limitation. And it is it is quite something. I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do to deal with, but I know it's something that's being talked about getting handled in some way. But you're right. There are certain situations where you need a configuration. I understand that energy consumption, especially with computers, which is about 8% of our total energy consumption. So it's it's definitely a part of it and something that should be considered. But there are certain situations where you need these higher-end things. And another one that's playing into this that's using a lot of power is video game consoles. When you get them into standby or sleep mode, as PlayStation calls it, they're still on basically just in a standby mode using energy. So a lot of that plays into this. But right now, yeah, if you wanted to get certain configurations on the Alienware desktop PCs in certain places, you wouldn't be able to. What is SAAS? Another listener question here. The acronym stands for Software as a Service. Ah, And this is something that we've probably all used. Basically, as a kind of 10,000-foot generic explanation, if you go to an online resource like a website where you're interacting with it or doing something, uh, Gmail could fall under this, certainly all of the docs and online editing and all that where software is being provided as a service. You don't download it. You don't install it. You use it online. You might pay for it online through a subscription model. This also plays into some of the things we've talked about in the past where we don't like. But again, this is a little bit different than something like Office 365 where you buy it, download it, and have it on a subscription because you're still Hmm. installing it. So depending on who you talk to, that may or may not fall under this acronym. But it definitely applies to dealing with stuff online. One of the first places where this came out was online banking, where your software is a service to the browser, but you can go in and do all this stuff. And then it kind of built from there. Is Best Buy going to start selling groceries? I get my bananas at Best Buy. 
You know, does it have uh, a microchip in it? Yeah, really. No, these are the. <laughs> this might sound strange, but it is actually possible with their new marketing that they're doing. So Best Buy is online service, and Best Buy itself, of course, is known for selling electronics and good stuff. You know, you can get all kinds of things. And I know through the pandemic, Best Buy has been a lifesaver to me to being able to get certain products that I needed that I couldn't anywhere else. And they ship them to your door. So there's some really cool stuff going on there. I've mostly had a good experience with Best Buy. There's been a few bummers, but I think that happens pretty much with any big box store like that. But this question is because they want to become a competitor to things like Amazon or Walmart online sales. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, is that Best Buy adds other vendors that actually fill your orders. And we talked about that in previous weeks on how that can be problematic. But it comes down to a situation where, yeah, eventually it could be possible to have a situation like you do with Amazon or Walmart where you can order pretty much anything through their website. Groceries are not the first thing on the list, but they are moving into a number of other areas like bicycles, uh, fire tables, those kind of things are all available, barbecues, (laughs) on and on. So it'll be interesting to see where they end up going with this. Mm. Will there be a GoPro 10? GoPro is a camera. If you haven't ever heard of one or seen one, they're really cool. Check them out. They are kind of cool. Yeah, they are. (laughs) It's one that in this day and age, we can pretty much do everything that you would have needed a video camera for with your cell phone. But a GoPro is still a must-have, especially if you're on the go. I use them for shooting television media. The GoPro 9 5K is really cool. It can be controlled externally, all kinds of things. So the question on if there's going to be a GoPro 10, did a little research on this and found out the GoPro seems to drop their updated versions every September. At least that's what they've been doing. And Hmm. yes, it does look like we're going to have a version 10. So wait a few weeks to see if it comes out. And as long as it does, if you're going to upgrade, go ahead and upgrade to that. Although I do like the 9s. The 9s have been a little bit sluggish. That's my only complaint. And I'm led to understand that the 10 will have a faster processor in it to deal with some of that stuff. But outside of that, even the older ones, Gretchen, I know you've had one for a while, and I think you've liked it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a good have, and they're not really expensive to get either for the price point of where these things would be. I mean, you're going to drop four or $500 for everything you need, but if you do, it's worth it. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be talking a little bit today about past technology and some of the properties that we see it in. And just to give a little bit of context on this, what we're going to be talking about today will be two different large homes that were built a long time ago, both over 100 years ago. And that's Viking Home up at Lake Tahoe, Nevada and California, and Pittock Mansion in Portland, Oregon. And before we get into this, I just want to make the comment that our hearts goes out to everybody at Lake Tahoe right now. When we're recording, we don't know what's going to happen with this fire. We might when we air, but just uh, we hope that uh, everybody is going to be okay and that they can do something to save the area because it is so beautiful up there. That being said, um, Gretchen, why don't you talk a little bit about Vikings Home? Well, Vikings Home is in Emerald Bay, and Emerald Bay itself is a jewel. Uh, there's a little island in the center with mm-hmm. a little tea house that was also built by um, uh, the lady that had Vikings Home. Um, built. Mrs. Mrs. Laura Knight. Yeah, 
And the, the house is gorgeous. And it, it really reminds me of the house that we just recently visited in um, Portland. Is that where, is, is Pittick Mansion in Portland? Pittick Mansion is in Portland. It's in Portland Hills. Okay. Anyways, and so I, I, it made me think about how beautiful Vikings Home was. The, the, there's a lot of effort that's gone into building these places. The, the woodwork, the, the tile, the, um, the stonework, the furniture, everything. There, there's so much character that's put into these homes, and it really reflects the era and the people that owned them. And then there's the technology that has been added. And <clears throat> one of the features that you happened to point out to me at Pittick Mansion was um, the showers. Tell me, yes. you, you, I didn't quite understand completely how that thing worked, but it looked pretty crazy, but kind of cool at the same time. Yeah, so I thought I was really ahead of the game here getting a rain shower head. And that's uh-huh. one of these shower heads that goes over and is like rain, you know, kind of at least mm-hmm. the idea of it. And uh, here we see this uh, uh, 1914 version of it that's actually quite better. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, one thing about Pittock Mansion is they did build with the latest technology. So the showers being one of them, it's got body jets, it's got the, as we said, the rain shower head, ring shower heads, a handheld, all the stuff that you would expect to see in a high-end shower today is already there and in both of the bathrooms. So it was interesting the way that they have that set up. The mix valve brings the hot and cold water in. You actually had a thermostat or a thermometer rather on the uh, unit. So you could see what the temperature of the water was before it would come out of the shower head. Some of these different type of things. And, you know, when you're talking about technology, it's interesting because like with Pittock Mansion, they actually had a central vac system, all of this kind of stuff, electric Mm -hmm. things. Um, They had a backup system for gas lighting. But Again, the latest, greatest was put in all that. And I know Vikings Home was similar. Yeah. And now the sad thing is, is um, when we visited, it was in 2016. So my memory is a little bit um, foggy as to some of the tech that was put into the place. But um, yeah, they did go through a lot of trouble to set up things. And they even planned where the house is located because of, of avalanche dangers. Right. And see, really all that went, went into through. it. One of the things I remember about Vikings Home, as far as tech goes, that we're using now was the roof gardens, where there was actually <laughs> grass growing on the roof to act as an insulation, yeah. you know, and make it, a, make it a green property in many ways. Of course, it wasn't called that at the time. It was just because it was better on energy. But it serves the same purpose, and it's the same idea, kind of a you know, concept of what is old is, is new again. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it seems like things done in the old days were not bad. They were good ideas. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of sad to see things be tossed aside just because it's it's old. Well, just because it's old doesn't mean bad. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. Now these bigger houses, of course, cost a lot of money to maintain, and in both cases, they're run as a park. And mm-hmm. Vikings Home was given to the state or bought by the state. However, they did it in 1953. Pittock Mansion in 1964. So a very similar time frame as well, as far as all of that goes. In both cases, the original families were gone and they had gotten abandoned or started to get uh, non-maintained. And and I think they were both saved by groups. Yes. Groups that cared about the local history. And I know uh, some of the fun stuff too up at Vikings Home is that there's a water thing that you can go out to. There's an island next to it and all that stuff. 
and some different things like that. And, you know, it just, uh, both of them are worth seeing. There's online versions of it. I know Pittock Mansion has a virtual reality thing that you can look at to see everything that's in there. Check it out. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be taking a look back at a past interview this week. This is one that's been requested. This comes from last season. Steve Mailer, our own, interviewing Sammy B and the show Auction Addicts. Well, thanks, guys. I'm having a really fun conversation today with someone that I've been doing uh, interesting things with over the last seven years. She she was probably my first real entry into doing reality television. It was a show called Auction Addicts, and we filmed it from around 2013, 2014. Her name is Samantha Brocklesby, but we lovingly call her Sammy B. Sammy B, welcome to User Friendly. Hello. How are you, Steve? I am doing great, and I'm excited to have you here. I've been trying to get you on the show for weeks, but you're just too darn busy. You know, life happens that way sometimes. Yes, it does. So Auction Addicts, as I mentioned previously, was a reality TV show that followed six or seven people that seemed to be addicted to going to live auctions. And it was centered around uh, Weather Vane Auctions by Sammy B, which was a, a Sparks location, Sparks Nevada location you had for a while. Tell us what, some of the things that drove you crazy about being on Auction Addicts. Just uh, the cameras were not filming all the time when uh-huh. crazy stuff happened. Oh, of course not. We would have the craziest customers come in obscurely and the camera would be off right at that moment in time or someone would be in my face screaming at me and I'd be looking around going gosh why don't we have cameras on this that would be great (laughs) well you know what was weird I think a lot of this stuff happened when on days when we weren't filming yeah I think it had a lot to do with this was the week because auction addicts was not just about the auction itself and the the winners and what they won, but it was also about the the preparation process of of running up to the auction for the week. So it was never really clear when when something crazy was going to happen. But I do remember you saying, you know, God, Steve, you guys should have been here yesterday because we had blah blah blah, and it was like, <laughs> oh man. So uh, it's a shame that we could never pull anything off of your video security system because that probably some of that stuff probably would have been priceless. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, you know. Chaos should be my middle name. <laughs> what is your middle name, by the way? I, I've known you princess. for this. I'm sorry? My middle name's Princess. Seriously? Seriously, yep. I'm the princess of the auction. Oh, my God. Were your parents drunk or something? <laughs> you know, it's a family name. My grandmother's oh. name was Princess, and my do- both of my daughters, their middle names no are way. Princess as well. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't think I knew that about you. Really? So, that's because everybody calls me princess once they find out that's my middle name. No, okay. Wow. <laughs> I thought they were just being coy or funny or something. They were li- literally calling you by a, a proper name. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would never have thought that. Okay. So, wow. I just learned something new. Thank you, Sammy. Or I'm sorry. Thank you, princess. Um, <laughs> see, now, now, now you're in trouble. So, I love that name now. Yeah. tattooed on me somewhere. Oh, well, I'm okay. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> now speaking of Sparks, you were there for quite a number of years, but then you relocated, 
out to Fallon, Nevada, which is about maybe 50, 55 miles east of where you were. How has that changed the, the nature of your business or, or has it? It has completely changed our lives moving out here. You know, when we were in Sparks, we were the auction house to be at. We were huge. We had lots of employees. And I really just wanted to recapture my life because we're getting older. My husband and I work like dogs 19 hours a day sometimes. That's crazy. You know, um, six days a week. And when we moved to Fallon, we decided we wanted a little bit uh, slower pace. So we really push trying to be more online user friendly. Okay. Good term. Isn't that a great term, people? Online user friendly. How fitting is that? How it is, you know. But that's really we have great customer service when it comes to our our online department. We have it where people can log in on every Friday night through our weathervaneauctions.com website. Okay. And if they bid through proxy bid on through our website, they can find it under the blue button. They can hear the auctioneer and myself. Just telling stories, auctioning. You know, we act like the people are right in front of us. Yes. They're becoming a family of our own right here. But uh-huh. we do ship worldwide and we have the same customers predominantly who log in every week. And then we have probably 50 to 75 new bidders each week that log in. You kind of led into the next part that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of how your business has changed. Because I know when you were in Sparks, you had a lot of physical foot traffic, people in the store. And I know out in Fallon, since you've moved out to Fallon, because I've had an opportunity not only to be a customer, but also to be a staffer. So I've kind of seen the the, the volume of physical people in the building has gone down quite a bit. But I've also noticed kind of the inverse that you're online bidding community went up quite a bit and you've taught you touched on proxy bid so if someone goes to weathervaneauctions.com that's the process where you lead over to the proxy bid site and do an online registration i guess where you have to put in some payment information your contact information and then from there you become eligible to join one of your live auctions and bid that's correct and we do ship all over the world people can sit in their homes on friday night they can turn on their computer they can hear the auctioneer and myself converse they can hear all of the activity we call bid just like uh-huh. you would if you were in the building sure we might not actually have any people here in the building especially since covid thank goodness we went to the online process when we were starting to transition out here to Fallon yeah. because otherwise it probably would have put us out of business but instead we're thriving that's awesome in fact i've i've had an opportunity to join through proxy bid as one of the online uh, contest or not contestants but bidders and i have noticed that it is a very real time process that what if you can ask a question to you to the auctioneers and you get a fairly immediate response. And when your bid gets triggered and during the live auction, it's recognized immediately. There's no lag time. There's no latency period where, gee, did my bid just get lost? It's a very real-time process. Yes, that's true. You know, every once in a while, Blair will drop the hammer a little fast, but the online bidders, the computer controls whether or not the bid is accepted or not. So if if it's accepted through the computer, then it has to be accepted even if he's tried to drop the hammer and say sold. Only because if there is like a half of a second there, uh, the computer is more in control, I guess you can say, than the auctioneer, which is different now that we're going online. So the auctions take place every Friday night around 5.30 p.m. When does the online catalog become available for the upcoming auction? Because you can actually place bids before the auction starts. Yes, you can start placing bids as early as Tuesday when some of the pictures come up. Uh, we have people in the, in the room cataloging Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. By Thursday afternoon, full catalog is up and ready for full viewing and bidding. 
So then you have the rest of Thursday and all day Friday right up until 5.30 to place your online absentee bids or your pre-bidding and then prepare for the Friday night live bidding action. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, been involved with Sammy Bees for quite a number of years and you find some really, really interesting things, sometimes for pennies on the dollar and things that you wouldn't expect to find because a lot of these things come from estates. They come from, I guess, bankruptcies. Just it's an amazing collection of things that are available. And I invite you to join weathervaneauctions.com to join in on the fun at uh, Sammy B's Auction House. Well, Sammy, thank you for joining us. Because like I told you, we've already, been, <laughs> we've already pre- pretty much gone over eight minutes and eight and a half minutes. I think people will find your auction site to be a lot of fun and you find a lot of interesting things. And uh, I think we're going to follow up with you as we get into the summer. That sounds great. And uh, see what you've got going on. Thank so, you. It's been thank, fun. It has been fun. And, and we'll see you soon. So always check back and see what kind of auction they have going on at Sammy B's. And again, it's Weather Vane Auctions, W-E-A-T-H-E-R-V-A-N-E, auctions.com. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. We're going to be talking about the new Marvel series, What If, a little bit here. We're not going to give away this week's episodes, but we will talk about the last two weeks. Great show. But before we do that, I want to mention one thing. We had talked a little bit earlier in the show about Vikings Home and Pittick Mansion and related to that, the fires, Caldor fire and uh, things that are going on. There's a lot more than just that. But I do want to note that for anybody that would like to support victims of the wildfires, we're going to be posting the links, the legitimate links on our social media today when the show airs, and we'll have those to you. One thing to be careful about, like with any other disaster, and this goes to everything that's going on, the hurricane in Louisiana, all that stuff, just as many as there are valid charities out there that do need the help legitimately, there are scammers, and just be careful of it. Make sure you're giving the money to the people you think it's going to. And again, we'll get this information up on our social media this afternoon. Now, that being said, what if? What if? So you finally got to see the three episodes, and we're not going to talk about the fourth one. And uh, so what did you think? You know, it was interesting. I had heard about this. I hadn't had a chance to watch it yet until we had a chance to sit down and do it. And I found that I really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm hooked now. I'm going to be continuing to watch as they come out and they drop. Uh, And like you say, another one just dropped this week. We'll talk about that later. But the idea of this is kind of cool. So you have a universe, Marvel, that's comic book, sci-fi, whatever genre you would connect it to, and it kind of works in both. But the idea that you have timelines, we've talked about the idea of metaverses and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. This looks at the storylines, the mainstream, and kind of proposes the idea of what if there was this very minor change in the timeline, almost like quantum physics does. Whatever possible outcome could happen does happen on a certain timeline. And that's kind of where they're going with this. And it's actually a lot of fun to see what they've come up with. Yeah, and they've done a great job on the artwork. They've done a a great job on the stories and the acting. it's, It's done well enough that an adult can easily enjoy it as well as the kids. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. It was definitely to both levels. 
And uh, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed the what if stuff. And up to this point, it's always been just the comic books, but I've really enjoyed it all. So this has been fabulous. So this opens it up to a different group of people mm-hmm. that would not have seen it because not everybody does comic books. Right, right, right. And it really, it really brings it to life. The, it's animated and it's done with a lot of depth to the animation. It works well in 4K, natively supports it. Supports mm-hmm. ambient lighting. We figured that out quite well. Oh actually. yeah, that was that was kind of cool to get to see yeah. your tech in action. Yeah, you know, you you have a lightning bolt and it's like, wait, there's a storm, you know, kind of thing. Uh, that also worked. I noticed for Bad Batch. So the the but the bottom line of it is, is I think it's worth catching. This one is for the family. So check it out. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.